don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, O me, O life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Now I know I'm dreaming. Master! I don't think you quite realize what you've got here. So why don't you just ruminate whilst I illuminate the possibilities? Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's out, he had a thousand tails. But master, you in luck, cause up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. Some heavy ammunition in your camp. You got some punch, the dance. Job you and house, all you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Lanza, what will your pleasure be? Let me take your order, jot it down. You ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Is your restaurant and I'm your melody. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir, we pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shah. Say what you wish, it's yours. True dish about a little more baklava. Pass on my column A, try all of column B. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. Oh my. No, no. Can your friends do this? Can your friends do that? Can your friends pull this out their little hat? Can your friends go? Hey, look at here. Can your friends go abracadabra? Let it rip! And then make the sucker disappear. So don't you sit there, slap your body Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome people. We are back, we had a brief uh, hiatus last week um, for holidays and other kind of shenanigans. Uh, it was also uh, Ian and uh, Donna's wedding anniversary while we were off uh, away. Uh, so, happy wedding anniversary, Ian. Uh, my name's Mark. Um, 
This is the Dude and the Monkey podcast, uh, and I'm joined as ever by Ian. Uh, Ian, hi. Hello, all. Yes, that hi. was a, a, a rather rambling uh, introduction uh, to episode 76. Uh, but welcome. Um, this week uh, we have The Expendables 3. Uh, we have some 101 news, and we have the continuation of our two packathon with the Janet Jackson starring Poetic Justice. Uh, we're also going to be answering a few questions, uh, and we'll be sort of going over some trails that we watched the past couple of weeks, and probably some tangents. Um, Ian, is there anything you need to add, or should we should we dive in at this motherfucker? I don't think so. I, I, I fancy diving in. I've got a bit of a grumbly tummy. Have you? I'm, 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 I'm hoping that um, talking. Um, talking some films because I, I you know i've missed this it feels like it's been ages it does feel like it's been ages i mean it's been actually less than two weeks but it does feel like we've been away for for kind of age like i, I do think last sunday i was at a lot going i genuinely don't know what to do <laughs> got, yeah yeah no, to watch. <laughs> yeah it was it was weird it, it genuinely was a bit weird but um no i'm uh, ready to uh, i'm ready to get stuck in let's let's do it cool uh right so Without further ado, Ian, uh, what trailers have you been watching over the, the past couple of weeks? Well, I'm just kicking myself because I meant to watch the trailer for Left Behind, the Nicolas Cage film, uh, which I'm sure you watched, but I really wanted to... I haven't to actually. See... Oh, shit. All right, <laughs> uh... fair enough then. But um, yeah, that film look, uh, like, kind of seems like it will be like brutal, but I kind of want to see that trailer. Um, but uh, bloody trailer addict. I think somebody's hacked it or something it keeps on telling me to update my java but it's like a malware file mm. uh oh bloody hell. all right i'll try and do this from memory then um so never mind well okay so i saw the trailer for mordecai uh the new johnny depp film which is another johnny depp looking kooky and doing an accent film um that's that's pretty much all he does now isn't it i think he's forgotten how to be a real human pretty much yeah yeah i mean it, it's I will say the, the the bit where someone says, "Oh, can I take your bag, sir?" and he was like, "Take my bags. I have a bloody manservant." Um, I, I I thought was quite good, and if it, I, I I don't know if it kind of attains that line of kind of slightly hammy goof, then maybe I'd be into it. But I I early days, yeah, it didn't, the teaser didn't inspire too much confidence. Um, for some reason, I watched the trailer for the second best uh, best exotic marigold hotel uh, <laughs> despite the fact i've never even seen the first one and um yeah it just i don't know it doesn't look like for me i mean it made a shitload i think it did over a hundred million dollars worldwide i think I, i'm pretty sure it did uh, it, it seemed to strike a chord uh with with a certain people uh not just not just elderly people anyway which seems to be the general consensus it did it over 136 million dollars uh, of a 10 million budget uh, and you know it's one of those things cinema's not you know it's for everybody so you know if people are going to get something out of it now I'm, I'm all for it yeah I mean good on it um, I've got no idea why I watched the trailer but I, I, it looks harmless enough I mean I've, I've got the feeling the first one I'll probably it'll be on channel 4 or BBC 2 one night and I'll just I'll stick it on you know, yeah, and, or watching it on Netflix one afternoon or something like that. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Um, Best exotic marigold hotel feels like to me. So I'm certainly not adverse to watching it. Um, what else did I watch? There was a new trailer for The Guest, um, which I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to that film. I've got it. it kind of 
looks like the plot's all there in the trailer, really. Mm. But, um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, and I don't know. I'm sure I've watched others, and I'm sure you'll jog my memory. So, um, Mark, uh, over to you. Uh, I watched the uh, trailer for Rudderless, the uh, Billy Cudup and Anton Yelchin film, um, which is directed by William H. Macy, uh, which is his directorial debut, which for some reason I, I thought he directed other films. Like, I was quite I surprised. I thought he directed something else yeah. as well, actually. Um, but yeah, apparently it's his, it's his director, his first feature film. But I mean, I, I was... I, I was I didn't actually check this, but it does say in the thing. But I, 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 when I saw that, I thought, I'm sure he's directed something else. I reckon he fucking has, you know. Yeah, it's sneaky bastard. I'm checking now to see if the sneaky motherfucker has directed something else. But it, it, it's about... Um, Billy Cudup plays a, a businessman who his um, son is... No, it is, his, it is his first directorial film. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, he's, he plays a businessman whose uh, son is killed in a school shooting, um, and then he starts to um, find uh, recordings made by his son and songs that his son wrote, uh, and he starts performing them uh, and ends up forming a band with a group of kids that are his, his son's age to perform these songs. And, you know, it looks like one of those films where along the way, you know, he learns things about his son, about himself, and he helps these these kids out. But it, it does actually, the trailer, you're watching it, and I thought, do you know what? It's a story we've seen a dozen times, and a lot recently. You know, that crossover between music and film, and music within film, and actors going, oh, look, he can sing. Like, so loves what people can sing. Um, it, 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 but this actually seems to have a little bit of something there that, that kind of gets me gets me interested. Whether or not it's just the cast, it's got a very good cast. It could be that. Um, I also watched the trailer for the Homesman, the uh, new Tommy Lee Jones movie, um, which is a strange trailer. Um, it's got uh, the film's got Hilary Swank. It's another western um, from uh, him because he did. Um, the Three Bellows of Michael Estrada, which is a brilliant film, but it was a very modern day kind of western. This is more of a um, a western set um, in all sort of more traditional western settings. Uh, but he plays a guy at the start who is been left for dead uh, with a noose around his neck on a horse, and Hilary Swank comes along and um, sort of saves him, but on one condition, he's got to help her in what she's doing, which is transporting some mad women across, quite literally some mad women, uh, across the country. And that kind of all happens. It's quite a strange trailer, because for the first half of it, it looks just terrible. It looks awful. And then the second half of the trailer, you kind of go, alright, then I'm actually quite interested now. And then it finishes, and I was left with this feeling of I don't know whether or not I actually want to watch that film or not. So I'll, I'll wait and see if anything else comes of it. Uh, watch the trailer for uh, the uh, Mordecai uh, that you spoke about earlier. Um, I don't know whether I can put up with what will be close to two hours of more Johnny Depp playing another version of, you know, creepy Johnny Depp. Um so I'm I'm not convinced on that. Uh, watched a trailer for uh, Camp X-Ray, uh, the Kirsten Stewart uh, Guantanamo Bay film, uh, which looks just just so 
so up it on our sits on through. Uh, I I don't have that much of a problem with Kirsten Stewart as, as a lot of people do. Uh, she doesn't come across a very pleasant person, but um, you know she's been okay in things. She was very good in Adventureland, and there's been a few other things where she's been perfectly passable. So I'm not just going to dislike her based solely on um, the, off the back of the Twilight films. But this just looks like one of those films that's so wanting to. Wanting to say something and be worthy and you know have a voice and I I just don't want to hear what that voice is telling me to be honest. Um, also, what's the trailer for Two Night Stand? Uh, another Miles Telefilm. He seems to be just fucking churning them out. Uh, the idea of this is he a girl um, hooks up with him and she's basically there. Um, to just have a hookup, just have a one night stand to help her get over a previous relationship she's been in. Um, and so she has a one night stand with Mal Teller's character, then as she's going to leave, um, they're snowed in. So they've got to spend time with each other, despite the fact that they've not had like, they've not met up on a night and had a one night stand, they've specifically met just to have sex. And then they've got to have, uh, then they've got to spend sort of time with each other. So they come up with the idea of, Telling each other what they did wrong sexually uh, and what they could do better to help kind of improve the situation, and it looks like one of those kind of comedies. Miles um, Teller's become one of those actors where I, I feel like I could spend time with him, watching things with him in um, with kind of quite ease. So, although I'm not, you know, it, this isn't one that's going to get probably released in cinemas. It probably will go straight to VOD. I, you know, I'll I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix quite happily. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that sounds like Netflix. It's good. It, it sounds exactly <laughs> like a fucking Thursday night Netflix film. Um, and then the last one was the uh, new Brian Trenton Smith film, uh, Drive Hard, uh, which is another one of these driving movies. We had like the Ethan Hart, the getaway one, which we both actually quite enjoyed. Yep. Uh, and then there was Drive Angry, the uh, Nicholas Cage one, which again, I think we both enjoyed. Um, and then you've got this, uh, which is... Um, John Cusack uh, hires a, a driver um, to sort of like just drive around. While he's driving around, he robs a bank um, and then basically takes the driver hostage um, to basically be his getaway driver. But it's not an ordinary bank he's robbed. Essentially, it's a mob bank he's robbed. So he, he's using the... Um, Thomas Jane, who is the driver, to kind of get away. Um, it looks a little bit crazy, but it, it kind of looks like it could be quite a lot of fun, to be honest. So I'm, I'm quietly looking forward to that one. Uh, other than that, uh, that, that's pretty much it that I've watched uh, this past couple of weeks. There's not been a great deal uh, come out. I think we're, we're in that lull where all the big summer movie uh, trailers have come out and we're, we're not quite into the, you know, that sort of autumn, fall to winter season yet no I mean did I I can't remember I don't think I did actually like talk about like the, the trailer for Annabelle and the t- trailer for Ouija or Ouija whatever, however you pronounce it um, I think they might have come out and maybe I forgot about them perhaps but um, just because I was thinking yeah you're right it's kind of a dead period then I remembered oh well I watched a couple of horror trailers because you know, October's coming up and, yeah. I mean Annabelle kind of looks like it's going to go in my old uh, fuck that for a game of soldiers films where it's just like, I just don't think I'm going to enjoy myself watching it. Um, 
it, it's... For, the, for the just the, the, the creepy nature of it. Yeah, I just I like I the the idea of that fucking doll it weirds me out. It it, it might sound ridiculous, but it does. And that's, I find that's, that's any, great because it's supposed to do that. Yeah, any, any but I mean it, it's just it's not necessarily the filmmaking. It's just the the concept of it. Even though I mean like the, the, anything involving Annabelle in the Conjuring was the strongest stuff in that film. I thought. Mm. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know it, it's. Uh, I don't know. There's there's an idea there, and I'm 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 intrigued by it, and I will go and see it. But I'm already preparing myself to shit myself. A bit. <laughs> uh, but you know, hey, and uh, Ouija just looks like a teen horror. You know, I mean that that it, it it kind of looks like the um like something like the Unborn. You know, just one of those kind of like mid level yeah horrors that makes. 15, 20 million its first weekend and has never heard of again. I mean, the only thing I remember, and no, there are two things I remember about The Unborn. One is Odette Usman's ass on the poster. Everyone um, remembers that. Yeah, and two is the light, on the tagline, it's it says, it wants to be born now. Yeah. But in the film, the line includes the name of the, the, the thing and it's Jumby wants to be born now. <laughs> and like, yeah. that, that always, always stood out to me. The un- Jumby wants to be born. How is that scary? The Unborns, the, it's the David S. Gore film, isn't it, I think? Uh, yes, right. it is. Yeah, right there, it's yeah that's isn't, right. Isn't that the one where you can practically see uh, Gary Oldman trying to remember his lines all the way through it? Holy fuck. Fuck, Gary Oldman's in it. He's um, that with it. Everyone loves Cam Gigandes in it. I'm yes, he sure. is. Let me. Um, holy fuck me! Gary Oldman is in the Unborn. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, he is. He literally. There, there, are, there are points where you can see him just try. Idris Elba's in it. I tell you what, what it's not cast. a bad cast, is it? I'm gonna give this another watch. Because that's a you know you've got Cam everyone uh, Cam Gadanje, um Gary Oldman Idris Elba James Remar Carla Gugino. how is that film that yeah James Remar's in it for fuck's sake how is oh shit I might have to watch this I as might, well I might have to give this another go it made quite a bit of money as well it made seventy six million off a sixteen million budget yeah that's not that's not too shabby is it oh my god you know what I think I might have to watch this again oh. But yeah, I might I might add that to my October lineup, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. But it, ah, it is a lovely bottom as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like I just that poster, like, because we we had it up at work when I was working for View at the time, and it, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's 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 just a really like that that, that we know what market this is going for. <laughs> yeah. But. But, I mean, it just, like, Ouija just kind of feels like one of those things. And, I mean, to be fair, Annabelle feels like it could just be a really quick, cheapy cash-in. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's interesting. I mean, like, it's the first year in God knows how long where there hasn't been a saw or a paranormal activity. Or was there was there a paranormal activity last year? There wasn't, was no, there? Wasn't the one early on this year? There, yeah, the marked ones was, like, January. But no, okay, there wasn't a paranormal activity last year. So what what horror came out last? The one with anything was that. It was a, it, was it the purge? No, no, that, that was that was summer. The summer, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I can't remember what the big horror film was. Because The Country came out early on, did it? Yeah, The Country was the summer release. Cause that, was the bit, that was the big thing about that. Insidious 2 wasn't a, this a October one either, was it? It was September, but yeah. I think that had legs. Hmm, let's have a look. But I mean, while, while Mark's looking that up, it just it's 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 interesting. I mean, Annabelle's obvi- it was obviously greenlit just basically because of the Conjuring. You have got the Conjuring two coming, uh, I think next year, and you have got Insidious Chapter three coming next year as well. But I mean, it's it's interesting to see this kind of cottage industry of um, actual like theatrically released horror kind of like wine um, kind of coming back up again. Um, but at least like of these franchises, and it all kind of stems back to uh, to, to James Wan and also uh, Jason Bloom. Even though I don't think he produced The Conjuring, but I mean um, he he did the Insidious films. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. You know, I mean, Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs was released around that time. Um, Ender's Game was released. Um, what else have we got that was released? I th- maybe it was... Thor, the, like... the Dark World was released uh, that weekend. Oh, that's right, it was. Yeah, uh, Haunting anyway. in Connecticut. Um, to Ghosts of Georgia, the best title of all time. Yeah, that was that was uh, released around that time. Uh, and... that, that was in the UK, though. Like, the US, it came out, yeah. like, months before. Yeah. I think it was because Paranormal Activity marked ones was supposed to come out in October and they were kind of running away from that but then it, it, it got pushed or was it that I don't know or did they or just announce there wasn't going to be a paranormal activity that year I think it, it got pushed it got pushed back then but it was, there wasn't like a big horror release uh, last summer so not last summer last uh, last year so it'll be interesting to see if there's, there's a bit more of a flood of them this year because that tends to happen if, you, if they don't have one last year and they notice as a noticeable box office drop, then then maybe that was the idea behind behind that, or maybe people just didn't want to go up against Thor. Mm, mm. I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting, but I mean, I, I think I think that they both got a good shot of doing well. I mean, I think Annabelle, Annabelle will, also, do, will, will do very well, to be honest. Yeah, you know, it'll, be, yeah. It, it'll have what a, a, a next fifteen to thirty million budget. You know, it will be, and it'll it'll pull in. 80, 90 million, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. It, it just, um, it's going to be interesting to see what actually comes out in, in October. I mean, especially considering it, it, it's it's weird. It's like it's a time where VOD is becoming more and more of a home for horror. But like I say, it's just like that there, there are still big screen ones actually get um, kind of getting their chance. I mean, the thing is, when a horror film hits, it's the easiest money a studio can make. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you the, the, the Conjuring, the Insidious films, you know, they're, they prove kind of like a, they prove quite, quite safe bets, you know, they're they're easy to make, not easy to make, but they're, they're low cost to make uh, in comparison to some films. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to make a decent amount of money. And I think the fact that the, the Annabelle is a spin-off of, um, of The Conjuring, I think this is, we could see these kind of things happening where they become almost like the, the conjuring uh, and things like that become like a proving ground for characters 
um, to see if they'll they'll fly. And if Annabelle does well, we might see other characters kind of you know scattergunned into movies to try and think. Well, well, that one's caught, so we'll do that. And you know, horror has become that kind of that kind of place where they see it as as like you say, easy pickings almost. I don't know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in a minute. Um, but I don't know. I think we probably talked about that long enough, to be honest. Yes. Um, so that was our, our, our trailer section, and a slight tangent. Um, and now, now we're going to get into uh, our main review, uh, which is the Expendables three. And uh, here is a trailer for it. to be. <laughs> I can't be. We were close once. We started this whole Expendables thing together, but we had a falling out. What are you gonna do? Reload. Welcome to the 21st century. I could do that. Want to slip on a dress and give it a shot? <laughs> this is it. This is your team. Short notice. Yeah, very short. Okay, you heard of the trailer there for The Expendables 3. Um, we have Stallone is back, Statham's back, Jet Li's back. It, I think he is anyway, if you if you watch for long enough. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's back, Randy Couture's back, uh, Terry Crews is back, Schwarzenegger's back, and this time they are joined by Snipes, Grammer, Banderas, Ford, Gibson, and a load of kids that you really don't give a shit about. Um, story is... Uh, very much like the like the other ones, uh, is you've got the group of Expendables go up against a big bad. Only this one's big bad is one of their own. It is Mel Gibson who plays Conrad Stonebanks. Uh, the Expendables have just fucking great names. Uh, 
um, who was one of the co-founders of the Expendables until he and Barney fell out, and now essentially Barney wants him dead, he wants Barney dead, so they go to Eastern Europe and have a bit of a to-do. Uh, Ian, the Expendables three. Um, is it better than the first two? And well, is it any good? What do you think? It is a fucking boatload better than the second one, um, but it still has its problems, and for me, is still not as good as the first. The thing about the first um, is that I think it gets the the ensemble just right. Um, and it, it, it kind of it, it has moments for everyone. Uh, and, and the the I really like the final third of the first Expendables as well. Uh, it's gory as all fucking hell. Uh, the, uh, Terry Crews is the man in the last third of the first Expendables. And the, 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 the sense of camaraderie, which I think is kind of key to this franchise, is there. And I mean, with the second one, I, I think it just gets a bit bloated and it also starts kind of getting high on its own seriousness. And that certainly continues with the third one as well. This is a film with it's very it's very weird because it, it both seeks to find a younger audience with like the, the, the rather more bloodless violence um, and, and the younger characters, while also like really working the maybe we are getting too old for this shit kind of um, angle. And it's when it's doing that and not focusing on what made, what's made the first one a, a, such a fun time for me, where I think it, it falls down. It's certainly got some really good additions along with some completely redundant additions. Um, and it's also way too long. It, it, it's a complaint that can, that is thrown at more and more films, it seems, these days. But this film has no business being two, two hours, six minutes long. Even if the credits are very long, this, I mean, it, it's, still, it's still at least an hour 55 before credits. And that is far too long for this film. Uh, Mark? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, a slight bigger fan of the, of, of the series um, than, than, than yourself. So I, I'm kind of predisposed to go a little bit uh, lighter on these films. Um, but I did go into The Expendables 3 with kind of a lot of trepidation because, uh, you know, in my heart of hearts, although I did enjoy the, Expend the second Expendables movie, for instance, I've watched The Expendables three or four times. I've watched The Expendables 2 once. Um, and, I, you know, I although I probably will watch it at some point again in the future, I'm in no great rush to do so. Uh, so I, I, I have given Expendables 2 another chance, and it, it's not good. That, that's my worry, is, is at the moment I'm, I'm in a happy place with The Expendables 2. I, you know, I don't think it's a great movie, but I enjoyed my time with it. And I have a feeling if I go back to it, I might not enjoy my time with it the second time round. So I'm happy to sit with, with how I am with it now for the time being. Uh, and I remembered it well enough um, that, they, that I didn't need to rewatch it for Expendables 3. Not that I ever think you actually do. I think these films very much do stand up on their own uh, as films that you could watch without having watched the other two, uh, which is a key, I think, component to an extent with this one because this one is a PG-13 slash 12A, uh, which we'll come to um, in a minute. But I I think it's... I, I agree with you completely. It is, it is too long. But I think it's a lot punchier um, than the the second film. Uh, I don't think it's good as the first film. But 
uh, reviewing it on itself. I think it's quite punchy. I think the story uh, feels a lot tighter and a lot more controlled than the other ones. I do think it struggles um, with the ensemble nature of itself uh, in that there are just too many characters to get into um, to base a story, really. Uh, and when you're trying to give people like Ford and Schwarzenegger and Gibson equal amounts of time, that's where it kind of gets it's lost a little bit. I do think it's had a bit the best villain of the of the three um, in that's terms fair. of a, a written villain. Um, although I like Eric Roberts, I think Eric Roberts works like very Eric well. Um, Eric Roberts also is a great fucking villain. Um, as an actual force to fight, uh, you get the feeling with Eric Roberts that he literally is just somebody who's going to point at somebody and go, go and kill him. Whereas you get the feeling with Gibson, there's, there's that moment where they're, where they've actually, you know, I remember, guys, we are all spoilers all the time, um, where they actually capture him and he's relaying um, to the the new crop of Expendables, um, you know, that, that they used to be friends and everything like that. And, it's sort of moments like that that you're watching um, Mel Gibson and you're remembering, I'm not a huge Mel Gibson fan of Mel Gibson the person, but that doesn't take away the fact that Mel Gibson is actually quite a good actor and can do these kind of things quite well. And he was completely wasted in Machete Kills for the fact that it's just a fucking terrible movie. Whereas this, he comes across and you remind the fact, actually he's quite a good actor and he came across as quite a... There was a lot of the hate there, and he, you know you could see that there's a he's that he's a cut above a lot of the other cast that you've got in there, and to a similar extent, I think you found that with uh, Banderas. You know, Banderas is actually you know has actually in films been quite a, a good actor, and um, you had that with him. And let's be honest, you know Schwarzenegger has the capacity to be a good actor. Um, Ford, you know was a good actor but it's been what 20 years since we've seen him give a shit in anything um and you know lee and people like that you know snipes is decent in this but i got the feeling with gibson like that that there was something there there was a spark there that um that, that van damme certainly didn't bring to the second one the second one almost felt a little bit too much like it trended on along the lines of almost spoofing itself within itself without ever trying to spoof itself Whereas this just felt like a, like an action movie, uh, which was better. It was good, and that that's what worked for me. I also enjoyed the uh, the Kelsey Grammer, um, you know, recruitment montage scene. Uh, that was a lot of a, a lot of fun um, there when they're going to get the the new the new Expendables, even though um, there isn't a personality um, to tie. You know, if you combine all of the new Expendables, there isn't even half a personality there. Uh, so that that kind of felt a little bit. They're a plot device more than anything else. Yeah, I mean that's that. Yes, and that that's exactly my problem. I mean, the middle third of this film is the recruiting them and like Stallone dumping the other guys, and then surprise, surprise, they get fucked over pretty much straight away. Mm. Um, the fact that that it, I mean it does I think it is literally the middle third of the film is essentially all of that. Yeah. That I just when and when you say they kind of a lot of the ensemble will get lost in the mix. I think if you had shortened that or just taken it out, then I I, I think you could have had more more of more of the rest of the cast. 
and I mean, like more of more of Gibson, more of Snipes, more more of Banderas. I mean, I, I would I would take him as a new addition um, over the other new additions any day. Um, I, I, the Banderas is fantastic in this. I think. Um, I think he kind of gets the. He adds a levity the, as well to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playfulness yeah. That, that that was kind of missing, I think, from it. Uh, and from the second one at, at points, you know, that playfulness that we got with the first one with, like you say, um, Terry Crews' Cruz, character, yeah. Crews and Couture, yeah. you know, and their, their kind of relationship. It, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, with Terry Crews kind of taken out of the picture for quite a bit of this one, I'm assuming because of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah. um, then it, it, you do need that, and I'm glad he's there. I mean, that, that's the thing. The, the younger guys, they are... I mean, I mean, like, you've got Kellen Lutz, mm. who has no character arc whatsoever. I don't even... I, what was what was his character? He, he, got, his character was that he'd seen shit, man. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. But, but then again, uh, let's be honest, Kellen Lutz has zero charisma at all. It's brutal. He is brutal. Um, you've got the techie one. You've got the girl. Um, she was all right. She, um, I, I, I could have done with more of her. But then again, it, it, it's a girl who I know could kick my ass, so I can always do more of that. Yeah, no, she actually, I think she actually had some presence. Yeah, she um, does, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that being in there, certainly, yeah. She was yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, not, not just, oh, she's hot. Yeah, no, 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 she... that, but it, I don't know, it, it just, it broke up the, the machismo with, but also added to it. It was yeah, something yeah. different than than old guys fighting. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing is, like, uh, and again, I mean, I come back to the um, the kind of the the, the 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 point of it where they are trying to youth it up mm. while also having the old guys in there. And I mean, Christ, if you if you if we had a fourth one, and judging by its box office tape, that's a bit of a dicey prospect. But um, if we had a fourth one. How the fuck are you going to have a story with all of these characters? You aren't. A few more, some of them will literally, quite literally get dropped. But there will be a fourth film um, because, you know, the fact is they'll, they'll take it upon uh, a few things, you know, mainly being, right, how much of these films cost as a, as a conglomerate, as all together, and how much have we made? And as well... Um, I I have a theory that the the leaking of uh, the the digital copy, which is DVD quality, uh, which was apparently download has been downloaded well over I think it's like two million five times. Million. It's five, five million, million is it now? Yeah. Uh, that could be a, a tactical move uh, by somebody to kind of. Well, the, the the buzz behind this film wasn't massive, was it? And you can almost say you could they could use that excuse and say, look, yeah, it had a poor box office, but it had the it was available online two weeks before, and it had a massive amount of downloads. That could be so, a very good excuse. That's I don't know, man. That's some. I I don't think a Hollywood studio would think like that. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't, no, 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 I'm not saying the studio would do it, but I could see somebody getting a bit worried and going, oh, fucking hell, we need an excuse to get out of this shit, leak it. I, <laughs> I think, I, I, I suppose further to that point, I think it's interesting that it's been, what, like a month now, and they still, they know, like, the username or whatever of the, of the person who uploaded the file, 
but they haven't been able to track them down. And it kind of feels like... The thing about it is, is, is it's one of those, it's a username, but the username is a collection of people. About, oh, really? Yeah, 10 people have been... Um, ten, I think 10 people have been... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Questioned? Uh, no, have actually been... Uh, I think they've actually had lawsuits filed against them for copyright infringement, 10 different people. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, I mean, my—I'll be honest. What I'll say is, uh, screen I went to was busy, mm. um, which I, I found quite heartening, to say the least. Um, the screen that I went to, um, there was a lot of people there, and but there were there was an awful lot of people there that I watched that I looked and thought. Because I, I, I forgot to be honest. Uh, every you know these the, the couple of times. Because I'll be honest. I, I, I'll be honest. I'll hold my hand up. I, I have watched it at home and I have watched it in a cinema. So I've seen this twice. Um, so, um, but I was, I was always going to go see this at the cinema because two things. One, I wanted to, and two, I, I, I want to support this movie because it's Stallone. Um, and. There was, in both times, I forgot that this film is actually a 12A. It's not a 15. Uh, and I thought, it was about half a show, I thought, there's a lot of fucking kids here. And then it, it, I remembered, oh, well, there, there can be a lot of kids here. It's 12 I don't know. And what did you think about that? Because a lot's been made about that, um, of people saying, you know, that it's, that they've, they've chased the dollar um, and turned it down and gone against the whole kind of principles of it. Uh, do you think it had uh, a big sort of impact on the film itself, um, a noticeable impact? I mean, I I certainly think it, it kind of takes the Taken 2 school of slightly incoherent um, action shooting, not as bad as Taken 2. I don't mind Taken 2. I'm probably, in the grand scheme of things, one of its biggest supporters. But the, the, the thing about the 12A cut of that film is that you cannot fucking tell what's going on a lot in, in the action of that film. Um, this, I think, it, 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 you, you can. And especially when it's explosions and things like that. But like that final fight between Stallone and Gibson it does just kind of feel like it's an awful lot of close-up, kind of like fast-cutting. And even though I think that's both maybe 12A and also the fact that if you actually had those two relatively old men fighting each other and you saw it in an elegant, long, flowing take, it probably wouldn't look that good. Well, I read you know, an interview with, with Gibson uh, about that when he was briefly talking about it. Um and they asked him about sort of like the the action stuff like that, uh, and his response was, um, "There's no way I'm doing a lot of the shit that Stallone does." He said, "I'm a younger man." He said, "But I'm not putting myself through that shit. I've 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 done my I've paid my dues to get to where I am. With it, yeah. I've already done that shit. I aren't doing it at this age." And, and I thought that was as what is it? But you know, whenever you see interviews with any of them, all of them say the same thing. You know. Stallone is will put himself through the fucking ringer uh, for these movies, and it's like I said, I think I said on the podcast the other week. Uh, I don't know, what I did. You know, there's a lot um, given and a lot of credence given to sort of um, actors, etc., who you know lose weight or put on muscle or put themselves through kind of like these physical exertions for films and things like that, and yet 
for people like Stallone, who is um, what is he Stallone now? I mean, he's nearly seventy. It's for for up, God's yeah. sake, um, it's kind of you know the fact that he's still doing that. He's sixty-eight years old. You know, the fact that he's still putting himself through this shit it, it is almost mocked rather than admired. You know, and it's kind of like of these people that are mocking, going, "Oh God, you know, it, it's ridiculous a guy that age doing that shit." It's like. Uh, will will you be even fucking you know doing going for a run or any exercise when you're 68 years old? You know if I'm half as fucking fit, if I was half as fit as Stallone now as he is at 68 years old, and he's 30 odd years older than me, I'd be fucking elated. And I think that there's a little bit of snippyism, uh, if that is a word, which it fucking isn't. <laughs> Towards this, this, these kind of uh, performers that I think people need to fucking rein it in a little bit. Um, and the Expendables three, I think, is a lot better than it's it's going to get credit for because it's going to have a lot of people who haven't even seen it and who aren't going to see it shitting on it for those reasons. Maybe I don't know. It it kind of feels like a film not a lot of people really give a fuck about yeah. to me. Um, yeah, but then, I mean, the, the second one kind of felt like that to me as well. But I don't know. The, the thing is, I mean, for all of that, and it is it is creditable, I can't really remember any action from the film. I mean, like the final fight, I, you know, I remember it happening. I don't really remember any shots. Um, I mean, the, the, the motorbike bit with Kellen Lutz, I mean, which looks like it was done practically and was impressive. It was. Um, you know, it I mean, wasn't Kellen Lutz. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it looks like that wasn't CG, you know, and, 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 and that was good. But I mean, like Wesley Snipes or Wesley Snipes' stuntman kind of jumping around all over all over the place, like swinging on bars and all that kind of bollocks. It just there, there's there was a sense of artificiality to the action, which um, you know, and also some brutal CG explosions. There's that one at the start where, what is it, like a helicopter that blows up or something? And um, Stallone and Snipes are talking to each other. Yeah. And they're, they're walking towards camera and then something blows up in the background. And it literally looks like something that Adam and Joe would have done. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's not it's, it's not a great... I know the, I know the shot you talked about, it does look... For, for a movie made nowadays that, you know, that cost $90 million, that looks ropey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. But again, I think that kind of feeds into the PG thirteen ness of it as well. I may be completely wrong, but I just don't remember there being as much CG stuff in the first one. But it has been a couple of years since I watched the first one, so I really might be wrong with that. There was a, the, the first one was a lot more practical um, effects based. They, 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 they absolutely tried to do a lot more kind of practicalness uh, in there. That was the thing with the first one. It was basically them saying, look, real action is back. The action heroes are back and we're here to kick ass. Yeah. And then, and then with this one, it's like, oh, but this time it's for kids. You know, it, it's it's the, the defanging of it, like so many franchises do get defanged. Mm, I, the thing is, uh, as, as well, we had a change of director on this one. I mean, all three have been directed by different guys. This one's directed by Patrick Hughes, who I think his most noticeable film is Red Hill, um, I, I think. Uh, yeah, Red Hill. Um, and uh, apparently he's going to be directing the right. US remake yeah. uh, of, of, of The Raid, um, which worries me somewhat because I don't like you say I, I don't think the action direction here is 
is magnificent. Um, and you kind of almost wonder a little bit um, because the other one, the, the fact, the previous one, the X Men or two, felt like a Simon West film, whereas this, this felt a little bit like you could possibly see Stallone going, you know, Patrick Uche saying, "I would like to do this," and Stallone going, nah, and him going, ah, "Well, maybe we could do this. Nah, what about this? Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. All right, yeah, we'll do that." Yeah, but I mean, I, to be fair, I mean, like Stallone co-wrote the screenplay as he did with all three, so I mean, I think mm. I think he kind of has a hand in that on set anyway. It's, I mean, I I I thought the direction was all right. It's just the fact that it does feel defanged, you know, and I I I, I think that's a problem. And I mean, I'll also say in terms of paciness, that again, that middle third just cut that shit down. If this was if this was a hundred minutes. I'd be way happier with it, but all all I really remember is it, it end it starts strong and it ends strong. You know, I mean, like the start, you've got um, Wesley Snipes saying he was jailed for tax evasion, mm. and um, uh, what? It, but it's something. It, 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 it's a line that he has, like, "No place I'd rather be." Yeah. Or something, you know. It's it just like, yeah, all right, this is this is cracking. And then Terry Crews turns up, and, then, and he's firing a big gun, and that's awesome. And I mean, and also we've not even mentioned Jason Statham, who may as well not be in the film. But he was like that in the, in, in the second one as well. He, he he was distinctly absent for a lot of it, and he's distinctly absent for a lot of this one. If if they are going to do a fourth, which I I think they probably will get a fourth, I think they'll they'll be given that last hurrah and that last chance. Um, what I'd like to see out of the fourth is maybe kind of lose the you know the posters um, and getting as many names on it as possible, and maybe sort of strip it back a little bit and go back to the basics of of, of the first one and yeah have maybe you know a, a few other new names within it, but maybe go right well let's have it be Stallone and Statham, and Lundgren, and that original crew going, you know, where right. they're the main focus, whereas with this one, it was, there was, I think there was more Randy Couture than there was Jason Statham. Yeah, which is fine. I, I mean, I, 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 fine I, I, I like Randy Couture. You know, I mean, like, I mean, my, I suppose my perfect Expendables lineup would be Stallone, Statham, Cruz, Lundgren, Couture, um, Banderas, Stipes. Yeah, I, 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 I'd happily, I'd happily take that with, with, you know, with Schwarzenegger possibly cropping up at one point. Yeah, popping up, but and, not, not being part of the expendable. That expendable. And, and Harrison up. Ford can fly a helicopter yeah. and and laugh. You know, that's that's fine. I actually kind of enjoyed Harrison Ford. He looked I, like I, he was having fun for the first time in, you know, in thirty years. I just, I like the idea of he was probably paid a small fortune to do one scene of dialogue, no, maybe two scenes of dialogue, and then pretend he's flying a helicopter and laughing for a couple of hours. Mm. That That's, I, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine with that. You know, it, it's which is just... Pro- which is probably what he'll do in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. I, I, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's all good. I, I genuinely, I, I thought Ford was fine in this. Grammar, as well, Casey Grammar, I... I, I wasn't a fan of the new recruits, but I liked that the, the recruiting scene, you mm. know, and and his dynamic with Stallone, I thought, was actually pretty good. It's a really, it was a really interesting character to have, a really interesting person to have in the movie. You know, when you've got 
people, all those people, and then you throw a grammar in it, and you're like, really, Fraser? Uh, and then it's, you watch it and you go, do you know what? Fuck it, yeah, it works. Yeah, 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 no, quite. I mean, it's, um, th- th- I mean, that's the bit, I'm, I'm, I'm more fond of this film than I'm, than I'm not, mm. um, for sure. And I will, I will certainly watch it again. Yeah. Like, on, when it comes on Netflix, fuck yeah. You know, um, it just, it could have, it could have been better really easily. And I wish Stallone didn't. I'm not even, I'm not even talking about the cutting down for a 12A kind of thing. I just, I wish he was confident in what he had instead of, instead of kind of chasing the, chasing the dragon, chasing the dollar by trying to go young. And because I mean, also the thing is these names, these younger people, are they? I mean, I think one of them's an MMA fighter, so I could see that him uh, and, and actually the, the girl's an MMA, yeah, MMA fighter. MMA fighter and, yeah. and I think maybe Glenn Powell was maybe an MMA fighter. But like, so. who, go, who, who goes to the cinema for Kellen Lux? Twilight fans. But I mean, and, and yeah, I, I get your point. They're not going to go to see this film for Kellen Lux. Yeah, yeah. I, it just I I have. Have some confidence in your fan base. If you want a 12A it up, go ahead. But, I mean, you've got really good additions in Banderas and Snipes. But I sometimes wonder whether, with these films, they don't know whether the... Like, they write the characters in and then they cast them, but they're literally casting on the name and not whether they know whether they're going to be good for the role or not. And then sometimes they strike it lucky and sometimes they don't. Mm. You know, because I, I, I have to wonder... If they knew Snipes and Banderas were going to be as good as they were, would they have had bigger parts? I mean, their parts are are fairly big, but whether I mean whether they would have been bigger. I mean, I really could have done with more Banderas, and I really could have done with more Snipes. Yeah, I could. You know, Banderas. Uh, there was, I think there was a lot of him in the second sort of half of the film, uh, but I, I think with Snipes, there was he was distinctly lacking. I think I thought there'd have been a lot more of of Snipes. Even though, I mean, I will say Banderas, he is a bit one joke, but he plays that joke really, really well. Mm. He's, he's, he's the excited young puppy yeah. of the group, and that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, like, he, he, but he's still badass as well, you know, but he's got, and that gives him a bit of personality. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, I mean, what, what, where, are you, where are you on it? Because I'm... I'm I, I'll be honest. I'm on the. For me, it, 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 it's it's a just definitely not shit. Oh, uh, really? I mean, because I'm definitely not shit. Yeah. My issue is, is that as much as I enjoyed it and everything like that, I am very conscious within myself that that this film, that, that Stallone films, get a bit of a pass with me. They do. Yeah, that, uh, yeah they do. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm. I'm happy to say seven out of ten for this. And can I go say as well? Is it's it's probably more enjoyable on the second watch. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I I have only seen it once, but I I, I mean, like I say, as soon as it gets on Netflix and it's a Lionsgate film, and they tend to come onto Netflix fairly quick. So hopefully by this time next year, it'll be on Netflix UK. You know, HD five point one. I'll have a blast, mm. you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm up for a fourth Expendables. I, I, I do, A, I would kind of hope it's the last one, and B, if it's going to be the last one. Go I out with hope, a bang. Just, yeah, go out with a bang. Cut down the cast. 
I mean, like you can you can keep you can keep the girl. That's cool. Yeah. That's fine. Um, you know, and uh, keep Banderas and keep Snipes, and I'm I'm good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, no, def- definitely not shit. I I actively don't like the middle forty minutes, but the forty minutes at the beginning and the forty minutes at the end, I was more than happy with. Good, good, right. Uh, so that was our Expendables uh, three review. A uh, uh, two definitely not shit. Uh, and from there, we're going to go into our one old, one new. But before that, we're going to play some trailers. Uh, trailers. We'll play some uh, promos, some podcasts that uh, that we know and enjoy. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage shit. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time though. I mean, I must. This is on. You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake! No, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. 
so much knowledge about this film. Right, Ian, uh, do you want to open us up with uh, your one old or one new, please? I'm going to be a dick and cheat and do two new if oh, that's all right. that is perfectly fine. Um, like, my old would have been Purple Rain, and I don't need to talk about Purple Rain any more than I already have. And, <laughs> there um, there also, are many, many podcasts out there where I, th- where I think both of us talk about Purple Rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I also rewatched Captain America Winter Soldier, which was just as good as first time round, to be honest. So, there you go. Um... Okay, so uh, a little Fright Fest preview. Um, this is on Netflix US, which is how I watched it. Uh, Lucky McKee's new one, All Tier Leaders Die. Um, I haven't talked about this on the show, have I? No, you haven't, no. No, I don't think I have. Have you seen this? I, I've not, but by all means, do not worry about spoiling it because uh, I, I will watch it, but I, I'm not the, the diehard fan of Lucky McKee that a lot of people tend to be, to be honest. Yeah, um... This feels like it, I, I, I think it was based on a short that Lucky McKee directed with someone else yeah. um, uh, a, a while back, and it kind of feels like he's regressing into um, infancy with this. Um, I, I will say, first off, All Cheerleaders Leaders Die will be in my bottom five at the end of the year. If it isn't, holy shit, the rest of the year must be bad. Um, That's so, bad. Oh, I, fucking, I fucking hated All Cheerleaders Die. Um, not quite to Aftershock levels, but getting there. Go on, go on. I'm, I'm intrigued to know why. Right. The thing is, All Cheerleaders... The, the horror films that I, I hate the most are the ones where it feels like the director's saying, ah, oh, horror fans, they, fuck, they like tits and, you know, they like... Uh, they like stupid gore and they like dumb characters. Oh, whatever. Just, just do this. Yeah, whatever. It feels like it's. Whereas, like the woman, feels like a film at least made by someone who respects his audience. All cheerleaders die. Feels like it. It, it hates its audience and it's just like, here's this bollocks. Enjoy it. Storyline is, um, a girl. Right. Okay. So at the start, a girl is uh, kind of like uh, following this uh, cheerleader around, kind of filming her, and the cheerleader um, dies in a cheerleading accident. And uh, the girl, uh, it's then like six months later or something, and the girl uh, who was filming her has kind of restyled herself into a cheerleader wannabe and and gets onto the cheerleading squad, but she's actually trying to expose them for like the selfish bitches that they are or something. Through a series of events, her and a bunch of the other cheerleaders end up dead and then get resurrected by the girl's ex-best friend, who also seems to be some sort of witch. Uh, They're resurrected as kind of like zombie vampire girls who feast on the boys of the school to kind of power themselves. Um, And they become... The, the, the witch becomes a kind of like hen mother of sorts to the girls and tries to keep them out of harm's way while the girls kind of like can't help but feed their addiction. Um, along the way as well, the ex-boyfriend of one of them um, gets rapey and uh, is Well, of course, nasty the modern horror and, film be without a bit of rapiness. Yeah, yeah, and misogynist, and it kind of goes on from there. Um, 
So, yeah, the, the film proceeds to basically show these girls in not a lot of clothes, uh, kind of feasting on uh, the, the, the town's boys while random stuff plays on the soundtrack in the background. Um, I think you could... And this actually plays... Um, this is one of the main screen films on um, the Saturday at Fright Fest, I think. And uh, it's one of the daytime films, which, considering it's Lucky McKee, I kind of think that says something about what the Fright Fest people must think of, of the film as well. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, the woman got a very kind of big slot a few years back, I seem to recall. Like, I think it was like a Saturday at nine o'clock-ish kind of slot. Um, and, yeah, it, it just, it feels like, it feels like a film made by committee like it, it, it's weird that it's an adaptation of a short film because he obviously has some sort of um uh, of passion for it and i mean the, the film sets up a sequel explicitly and says i think it actually says at the end something like coming soon all cheerleaders die part two um so i mean it's really going for you know lucky mckee saying this is this is my jam and it, it i mean it, it's jam that tastes like shit so I just don't see what he is meaning to do with this unless it's some sort of weird meta like art project. But then again, there's a lot of this horror where, you know, people are making shit generic horror and trying to say that it's, it, it's, it's meta and everything like that. And it, it's not. It, it, is, it is exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the thing is, it makes me... I mean, like, we... we we reviewed the sacrament a couple of months ago and I, I was, I think I was touching cloth on that and it makes me appreciate a film like that more because you know, for all of Ty West's detractors, he does actually seem to give a shit about the genre and he does seem to want to make films that he's actually, actually interested in. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I'm one of his biggest fans, but I'd, I'd certainly agree with, with that, that he's, he's less, tits and rape um, than a lot of other uh, of the modern horror directors, certainly. Or, or, I mean, like, somebody like Mike Flanagan, um, who directed Oculus and uh, Absentia. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 who, again, feels like a director who actually cares. Or the, the, the guys who uh, directed Afflicted, um, and they also starred in Afflicted, and, and, and I think they wrote it as well. And, you know, there, there are a lot of horror voices out there who are fresh and, and, and actually still have a, a interesting things to say. Uh, and then you've got a film like this or like Aftershock, which was produced by Eli Roth, co-written by Eli Roth and directed by one of his mates, um, who I think is directing the Green Inferno 2 next. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I haven't even seen Green Inferno 1 yet. We're seeing that this Friday, but I'm already dreading green inferno 2 um just because just because of the director you know it just it, it's it's weird as well because eli roth seems to be one of the guys who kind of like knows horror and kind of somewhat respects the audience but it, it, it's you look at a film like all cheerleaders die and you just you you just wonder what the fuck is it be honest because uh, is it an excuse to put a lot of young, attractive actresses in cheerleader outfits and cover them in blood? I think it essentially is. Because uh, do you remember the uh, 2009 film Sorority Row? Yeah. I, I remember watching that, and I watched it with with Becky. And I remember after it, turning around to her and saying, "It seems like the only reason that film got made was to have three or four scenes of young, attractive 
girls walking around in their underwear covered in blood. Yeah, I mean that's essentially. I mean you've got like the um the the, the kind of the morning after their transformation. They're all like it's slow motion. Them walking down the corridor yeah. and they're looking all hot and guys are, like turning around and gawping. It, it 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 it's just that tired shit. Yeah. But it for like eighty minutes. But with this really weird score that's kind of all over the place, and it's taking all sorts of different bits of soundtrack and co- it, it all feels like it, it feels like a project, but one where I've got no idea what they're trying to say with it, and it, it just comes off as audience hating or audience disrespecting, and like I, I just any. It is a film where I don't say this kind of thing that often these days, but it's a film where I would question why anyone who likes it likes it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I really, really, I would. And I just, it's really, really, really bad. And I was actively annoyed watching it. Um, so th- there you go. Good start for Fright Fest 2014 there. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I, I was saying to Mark uh, before the show, and I, I, I will say, I don't know when Mark's gonna uh, gonna get the show up this week, but um, uh, I, I, I tomorrow, have... probably Monday. Oh, cool. cool. Well, I mean, I've got um, I, I I've been given access to a few online screeners of um, other fright fest films. What am I reviewing? I'm gonna be reviewing these on um, nerdly.co.uk. Uh, Julia, which plays the Discovery screen, um, Extraterrestrial, the new uh, Vicious Brothers film, which I think plays the Discovery screen as well, and uh, Show Pieces. Uh, which I think might also play the Discovery screen. But the thing is, the disco screen, sometimes there's some actually really interesting stuff in there that turns out to be better than the main screen films. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, and I, I've watched the first 15, 20 minutes of Julia so far, and I will say I'm intrigued to see where that goes, and the cinematography is really nice. Oh, good. Um, so that's that's something. The thing about, um, about horror film festivals, uh, any film festivals uh, for that matter, is... You're gonna see if you're going for an entire weekend, you're gonna see fifteen plus films at least, you know. And you have to accept the fact that of those fifteen films, you're probably gonna see three, four really good ones. Uh, and if you get if you get a percentage of yeah, that was all right, that is sort of forty sixty, then you've done pretty fucking good. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 lineup for Fright Fest looks pretty interesting. To be fair, I mean, like the the, the Babadook's been getting a lot of um, mm. a lot of buzz. Um, you know, you got VHS Viral in there, which I haven't seen any reviews of whatsoever. Yeah, I've, I've seen no viral on it at all. Yeah, no, it's um, which which is interesting. But I mean, like, I'm I'm just gonna have a look and see what's on um at the same time as um as uh, all cheerleaders die in the in the disco screen. Um, like, like, let's have a look. Um. Uh, uh, Dead Within uh, White Settlers or Showpieces, uh, which is one of the ones I'm reviewing. Um, so, see, I'd see Showpieces over that without question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, it's um, fucking hell, they've still got a film to be confirmed and it's on Saturday. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there you go. There's there's Take a chance on a disco screen film instead of um, this, because it doesn't even feel like it's made by the same guy who did um, who did the woman. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm really not sure. I'm I'm done on it anyway. It's it's a really 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 bad film, and you have been warned. <laughs> cool. Uh, 
Right, I, I will watch it, but I'm, I'm already not looking forward to it because I, to be honest, I hated the woman. Um, so I, I will watch it just, just out of more, just more pure curiosity than anything else. Um, I'm going to give you uh, my one old uh, first. Um, I, I haven't watched that much old, um, but I have watched uh, two old films actually in the past couple of weeks. Um, one of them uh, is uh, Shaun of the Dead, but I'm not going to actually talk about Shaun of the Dead. But I am quickly going to sort of say, Shaun is one of those weird films for me where I didn't actually like it the first time I watched it. Uh, I watched an advanced screening of it um, with some friends at the, at the cinema and everybody came out of it. Um, I absolutely loved it and I was very kind of, I thought it was all right. I didn't, I didn't, I don't see the big deal of it. And it wasn't until I picked up the, the DVD for three pounds um, that I actually started watching it again and actually quite liked it the second time, the third time, the fourth time. And I've watched it a few times since. And I watched it in about maybe two years. Um, but it happened to be on um, ITV2 uh, or like last Sunday night, I think it was. And I missed the last five minutes, but caught the, the rest of it. And it's, it's a strange experience watching a film on TV with adverts and everything like that. It's kind of quite a nostalgic experience. And it, every time I watch um, Shaun of the Dead now, I'm, I'm hit with this, this, this kind of like feeling of, this is a fucking great movie. Not just like a good movie. This is a, I can see why some people hold it up in such such high regard because it, every time I watch it it just gets better and better and better and I know I'm not telling anybody anything that they don't already know but it is one of those strange ones that I've gone so far from being so lukewarm on it to, to really having a genuine absolute love for it and it would be in like my top probably 50 uh, movies so to go from where it was to there is it's quite a thing. Um, I'm going to go to another movie that I haven't watched in a long time that isn't quite on the same level as, as Shaun the Dead. Um, but I rewatched uh, The Wedding Singer the other day. Um, okay. Because um, I was looking for something I could watch, watch with Isabel um, and thought, oh, Isabel, Isabel might enjoy this. Um, and I was kind of curious to give it a rewatch to, just to see whether or not Adam Sandler was essentially was always um, as bad as he has become. Uh, nowadays and if he always was that annoying it was just that that maybe we the fact that he is that it's annoying now is because we got used to it so I went kind of back to um, you know I think possibly the film that kind of that brought him to a wide audience you know Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and, and Airheads and those films they, they they were very much appreciated, but they were appreciated for the I think people more that watched them on VHS, you know, people who didn't get to see them at the cinema, but they were constantly watched um, on on home video. Where the thing, where the wedding thing was like the first movie that arrived uh, Adam Sandler to a, a general populace, um, and it's amazing that this movie cost eighteen million dollars. Whereas if this movie was made now, it would have cost like eighty ninety million dollars. Um, because of of the Adam Sandler fee. Uh, I'm sure most everyone's seen uh, The Wedding Singer, but the general sort of plot is it's set in the mid-80s. Um, Adam Sandler plays uh, a character called Bobby Hart, who is a wedding singer. Uh, he's about to get married, uh, and then his uh, bride-to-be stands him up at the altar, and it, it causes him to hit a bit of a crossroads where he can't actually do weddings anymore because he hates the idea of marriage. 
uh, around this same time, uh, he meets uh, Julia, played by Drew Barrymore, who's just started working uh, at the the hall that he does the weddings at. Mm. And she says that he's got to help her plan her wedding because um, she's new in town. She doesn't know sort of everything that, that goes on, where the best place is to go. And along the lines, he ends up falling in love, blah, 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 blah. And it goes through. Um, and the thing that strikes you about it is, is it, Adam Sandler wasn't always as irritating as he is now. The Wedding Singer, for me anyway, um, still holds up as being a really entertaining movie. Um, for a start off, it's 95 minutes long, uh, which to put that into some kind of perspective, um, a, a movie which uh, both you and I uh, utterly despise in Grown Ups, uh, which is a modern Adam Sandler movie, is... 102 minutes long um, and that's one of the shorter ones I think of the modern Adam Sandler movies and that was 80 million dollars um, there's he isn't just playing the, the the lost man child there is the the you know the outburst and the shoutiness that we you know that, that is always there with Adam Sandler but it makes sense within this movie um, there is a punchiness and a newness and a sparkle to the actual to his performance and to the writing and everything within it, and it all kind of makes sense. Um, and the humour sits on a level um, between being a little bit more risque, but still sort of at a level where 12A is a perfectly acceptable um, certificate for it. And it is a really endearing movie to watch, and although it's incredibly tongue-in-cheek, um, it kind of it plays out very well, and it is just... It's nice going back to watching uh, Adam Sandler before he became lazy um, and watching him essentially be in his element and in his prime, uh, really, I think, around this time. You know, after this, he, he hit a bit of a, you know, he, he had from this with The Waterboy and Big Daddy and Little Nicky, and that was where things started to go kind of downhill. He had a period where he did Mr. Deeds and Punch Drunk Love and Eight Crazy Nights that were, that were pretty good, but... I think, going back to it, this is one of his, right, if you want to go back and look back through Adam Sandler's career, this is one of his fucking, his shining lights of films. Uh, it's still really enjoyable, sort of, 16 years later. Okay, uh, with slight technical difficulties there, it seems both of our internets decided they didn't want to work. Uh, but I, I pretty much, to be honest, I think finished uh, what I was saying about The Wedding Singer, uh, but just to wrap it up, uh, Wedding Singer, it's... It, it's one of those films where, going back to it 16 years later, uh, it, it holds up pretty damn well. Uh, Ian, what is your other one new for us? I'll, I'll go quick on this. Um, all right, so I went to see The Rover, the new film by David Michaud, starring Guy Pearce, Robert Pattinson and Scoop McNary. Uh, story is basically Guy Pearce um, is in this car. He um, stops off at this mysterious place it's uh, 10 years after the collapse which seems to be some sort of economic collapse which hasn't led to an apocalyptic situation but given the landscape you kind of think maybe it had um and uh, he, he he stops in this kind of bar type thing and his car is stolen by a bunch of thieves uh one of them being scoot mcnary um who uh, have just done an unexplained crime and uh nick his car because they've that they've kind of crashed theirs and they need to get out of there. Um, Guy Pearce eventually meets Scoot McNary's brother, played by Robert Pattinson, 
uh, as Guy Pearce uh, takes the car that they kind of thought was totaled but wasn't. Um, and Robert Pattinson, who was left behind at the uh, the crime, um, suffering from a head wound, um, basically says, that's my brother's car. What are you doing with his car? And then Guy Pearce says, your brother stole my, fuck- my fucking car. So you're coming with me or I'm going to kill you and you're going to tell me where your brother is. Um, the first 20 minutes of this film are fantastic. Uh, pretty much wordless. Uh, it's this really weird kind of guitar-y score with mechanical elements to it, uh, which is really, really impressive. Um, and the cinematography's dusty and dirty and there's flies all over the place. Very much recalls the proposition in that kind of um, aspect. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it makes use of the arid landscapes very well. And Guy Pearce is just this kind of like almost wordless, sweaty, slightly beardy man who's a bit of a badass, who really wants his car back. Um, after the first 20 minutes, it kind of falls down fairly quickly for me. I was pretty disappointed by the Rover overall. Um, the point of what it is, I've seen two reviews of this film today use the same phrase for describing the story which is really 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 fucking spoilerish so i'm not going to say anything but i'm kind of surprised and when the last scene of the film plays out and it's kind of revealed why guy pierce's character was going this mad for his car it kind of feels like it's trying to say something it's full of import and meaning but it, it just feels like oh but in kind of like practice, like, oh, right, okay, that's that's that then. Um, the central relationship between Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson does not work at all. Um, I, 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 it, it does, it, they, they've got a kind of an arc with each other that builds to absolutely nothing. And Robert Pattinson, while when he's speaking, he's all right, he's got all these ticks that it kind of feels like David Michaud's kind of said for him to do. And they don't play out well at all. It's like, is he mentally disabled? Is he just dumb? You you can't tell. And it feels like that's the point. But it's like, no, you should be able to tell if someone is just is mentally disabled or if they're just dumb. Yeah, that's that's not something that is it's is is too similar. And to be honest, I think you could maybe say that for mentally disabled people, it could be seen as a bit offensive in all honesty. Um, it, it, it's all just like ticks and like weird, like doing stuff with his eyes and being twitchy. And it just—I've seen some people say this is a great performance from Robert Pattinson. When he's talking, it's all right. Everything involving his mannerisms is brutal, but that feels directed. That doesn't feel like Pattinson. Yeah, it's say. a strange thing with Robert Pattinson. There seems to be a will um, to call him a great actor. You know, to kind of have this. He's the guy who's come out post um, Twilight and he's making all the right moves. He's making all the right movies. Um, but the, the issue so far seems to be he's not been great, you know, really fucking great in anything. He's just been in some very good movies. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, the, 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 the thing is, I mean, like, he's all right in this. Mm. He, It's certainly not like Taylor Lautner doing... doing doing something you know in christ he made abduction yeah. he couldn't even do well in that and that was supposed to be his complete wheelhouse and he still fucked that up so um 
But yeah, I mean, it just, the thing is, there's not a lot to say about the Rover. It does the usual kind of slightly apocalyptic kind of thing. It's got interesting elements to it. The world it conjures is, is vivid and is gritty and does work. But the story is really very plodding and ordinary. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's a film of like, the technical aspects are actually pretty great, but the fundamental narrative drive is really lacking. And um, yeah, I, I, was, I was disappointed, man. I don't hate the film, but next to Animal Kingdom, this is a real step back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Animal Kingdom was, well, it's my number two film of that year. It's an incredible movie, Animal Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think he does well with an ensemble, does David Michaud. Yeah. Uh, like it, 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 it kind of seems like maybe those were characters he kind of knew more of, whereas here it doesn't really feel like that. And I mean, Guy Pearce has a couple of really good standout scenes. There's a monologue he gets, which was really impressive. But it just, it all, it, 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 there's a build, there's a crescendo to the film. And when it does end, it, it does just feel like really, uh but apparently, like the ending does seem to be striking some people the right way and good on them. It didn't me disappointing. No, that's kind of like I said, it's disappointing to hear because you know it's a film that that I was very much looking for. Because I, I was a huge fan of Animal Kingdom, but then again, I think it's gonna be a very difficult film to follow. That film's level was 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 so high. Um, so slight disappointment, but I'm also quite disappointed the fact that it's not played anywhere near me, uh, which is annoying. I'd have to travel sort of an hour's travel to get to somewhere to watch it. Where to be to be honest, I mean, like this played in like a midnight screening at Cannes or something like that, and it kind of feels like that there's a will there to kind of give this film a chance, mm. but the the pure quality of it isn't good enough to really. My, have it, my, get a massive release. Yeah, so my kind of know. issue is though is we have an art house cinema in York, in a pitch house cinema that um, that usually would show something like uh, the Rover. Uh, yet this week uh, it has uh, Hector and the Search for Happiness, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the In Between is two playing. Um, that that's 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 not what an art house cinema should be playing. If you ask me, I'm sorry. It's, I know. I have ties to the six screen, you know, they're not in charge a lot of the time of their programming, but, you know, that's, this is the sort of film that should be getting released somewhere like that. It, you know, there's enough fucking showings of the, uh, of the in-betweeners two at multiplexes. That shouldn't be getting shown in that of cinema. Um, yeah, that's fair. So, right, my um, one uh, new uh, is... Um, it's a film uh, that um, I know you've watched uh, this. What is it? Um, this past week, um, or this past sort of fortnight, uh, and it is uh, John Favreau's film Chef. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. You wanted to talk about. Yeah, this. I, I, yes. I, I very much did. Yeah, um, I was um, very um, interested in watching Chef uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I really like food, uh, and two, I, I hated the first trailer and thought it looked terrible. Then subsequent trailers kind of. They, they brought me into it. Um, the chef, uh, you've got John Favreau, he wrote, directed, and stars in uh, the film. Um, 
and he's uh, he's brought along uh, Sophia Vergara, John Leguizamo, Oliver Pratt, Bobby Carnival, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Downey Jr., who are in it kind of, some of those are in it for one scene at a time. You know, your main characters are um, John Leguizamo is in it quite a bit, uh, and Sophia Vergara, and uh, the kid who plays his son, who is called MJ Anthony. Um, and essentially what you've got is this is and it's purposefully done to kind of almost be like an allegory for uh, his film career you know he was this hot shit director um, for his first few films and then you know you've got he plays the character Carl Casper who's this hot shit uh, Miami chef who gets to a restaurant in LA um, and his, his food's vibrant and everyone fucking loves it and then he ends up doing the same stuff. And when he wants to try and change it, the owner of the restaurant tells him he's not allowed to change it. And so he has to keep doing the same shit. The critics tell him, a critic comes in and tells him, look, this is the same shit that you've been do- that you have been hawking for the past eight years. He loses his shit, disappears, and then comes back with a food truck and he's going to do shit his own way. Chef is his film food truck, right? And the film is so, so, so incredibly self-indulgent. It is so patently obvious that that's what's going on. It is also so patently obvious that just looking at Jon Favreau, that he really fucking likes food. He even jokes about it in the film. There's a few lines about the fact that 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 he has gained weight and he clearly has um and it is there's a lot of distinct food porn that you can tell jean favreau's going yeah no i like looking at a grilled cheese being made so i'm going to show a three minute scene of a grilled cheese being made i'm going to go into the in-depth details of these fucking sandwiches and i'm going to go into this I also like social media, and he does. He's a prolific tweeter, and he likes it. So he's going to throw that in there as well. And all of these self-indulgences all mixed together to give us Chef, this quite autobiographical film that is hiding behind this Chef motif. Which, can I just say, seems to completely forget its own point in the final five minutes. Yeah, absolutely does. But, but yeah, no, I know, but, I know. Chef is just under two hours long, which normally I'd be going, it's too long long. But it's not. It's a wonderful film to go along and watch. It's great watching this, you know, watching him go along in this food truck and make these sandwiches and come up with these different things and have fun with his kid. And all of these things, it's a really nice, enjoyable film to watch with really good performances. A story that is flimsy at best, but it's light, it's airy, it's fluffy, it's nice. It, it, it makes you fucking hungry, which I think is the point. And although there is all those negative things about it, including Sophie Vergara playing herself, essentially... Um, and the other thing of the fact is, yes, I know you can cook really well, Carl Casper, but Sophia Vergara and Scarlett Johansson, come on. Right, that fucking...
you, the thing is, I like the film as well. It is watchable as fuck. But you, it, it, you do find yourself, like, particularly in the first half of the film, going, oh, come on. It, like, every single scene. That scene where he's cooking for Scarlett Johansson. And she's laying and on she the bed. just staring at him, laying on the bed. Post quite like, like, yeah, yeah, it just... What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it is <laughs> exactly that. And there's all these things that that are just that mixed together to make you go all the way through it to go, oh, come on. But it's still really, really enjoyable. There's a moment where he's t- where his son's talking to his mum and then they're cooking loads of food and everything like that and he's talking and, he, and the son's helping press the sandwiches and shit like that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I hope the kid don't, like, burn his fucking hand or anything like that. Because I don't want anything like that to happen. Because so far, this film's innate niceness is the thing that is making me really, really like it. And there's so many negatives. or So many things that shouldn't work that go against Chef. But... It is one of the most enjoyable to watch movies I have watched in such a long time. And I can see myself watching it over and over and over. And I and I am pleading with John Favreau, and he will never listen to this podcast, but I am pleading on the off chance that for some reason he does, which he won't, but on the off chance he does, please include on the Blu-ray a fucking recipe book. Because I want to know how to make every single one of the things that you make in that film. Uh, I adored Chef. Absolutely. I had such a, such a great time with it. I did not adore Chef. I think that's a very strong choice of words. I would but... be surprised if Chef isn't in my top ten of the year. Wow. I, that, is, that is how much I just like spending time with this movie. And that is a big thing for me. I, I want to enjoy spending time in the movie. And after yeah. Chef finished, I was like, fuck it, I want to cook something, I want to eat something, and then I want to watch Chef again. Nice. So, yeah. Good um, Right, uh, because of our, our actual, um, our, our brief technical issues, we have time to do poetic justice, but we don't have time to do questions and stuff like that. But we will be recording while we're at Fright Fest, so... Yeah, I was thinking... Like, because Noel's going to be joining us for a bit of recording as well. Like, we could do the Twitter questions with him there. Yeah, just to that's what we'll get do, his and, and we'll go on that. But I think we probably just have time to do Poetic Justice. Uh, yeah, um, I think 10 minutes is going to do enough justice to Poetic Justice. Yes, yeah, so um, here is a trailer for Poetic Justice, and then we will we will get into it. If you listen to me closely, I'll tell you what I know. Storm clouds are gathering. The wind is gonna blow. The race of man is suffering, and I can hear the moan. Cause nobody 
but nobody can make it out here alone. Her name is Justice. The only reason why I love you is I was in the county jail. You sent me all them nice poems. To escape the violence of the streets, she needed the poetry in her heart. You've got to move on. There's another man out there somewhere. His name is Lucky. What y'all niggas doing? Looking for some busters to jack. To face the madness around him. All he had was the music in his soul. Fate brought them together. This is Justice. Justice, this is Lucky. And you already know Chicago. What's up, baby? Baby. Anger kept them apart. I'm a black woman, okay? I deserve respect. Walk your ass home. But for both of them... Girl, you know he tripping because he like you. The road ahead was the only way to leave the pain behind. I heard from a friend today, and she said you were in town. Suddenly the memories came back to me in my mind. How can I be strong? I lost myself. Columbia Pictures presents a story about losing your fear and finding your way. What do you write about? Nervous in my heart. What's that? Janet Jackson. Tupac Shakur. Poetic Justice. From the creator of Boys in the Hood. Okay, that was a trailer of the uh, 1993 film, uh, Poetic Justice, um, directed and written by John Singleton, uh, who, can I just remind everybody, a couple of years earlier, wrote and directed Boys in the Hood, which is very important when we're about to review Poetic Justice. Um, Poetic Justice, uh, you have a character played by Janet Jackson, which I'm not going to reveal her name, because I think Ian might want to reveal it later on. Um <laughs> who uh, she witnesses her first love uh, get uh, shot in the face uh, next to her, uh, and she goes into some kind of mourning. Um, she uh, works as a hairdresser and possibly slash beautician. I'm not sure if that is covered, but she's definitely a hairdresser. Um, and she ends up going on a road trip of sorts with her friend, uh, played by Regina King, uh, who is going along on this road trip with Tupac Shakur, this is our Tupacathon, uh, his character Lucky, and his friend Chicago, who seems to be called Chicago because he likes the Chicago Bulls. I don't think it's his actual name. Uh, and they're going on a road trip because they work for the post office and they're taking some postal packages to another sorting office, uh, which made me think throughout the entire film, the 90s American Postal Service is incredibly slow. Um, 
she doesn't want to go on it, but she's kind of got to because her car is broken down and she's got to get to Oakland where they're going to do a hair show. Ian, poetic justice. Thoughts? Fucking bobbins. Um, <laughs> right, I mean, the thing is, this was John Singleton's second directorial effort after Boys in the Hood, and it really fucking feels like it's just John Singleton saying, I want to make my big personal picture. Mm. I want to do, you know, I, I, I've had this acclaim. I want to, I, you know, it, it's like Michael Bay with Pain and Gain, but then Pain and Gain's awesome. <laughs> Poetic justice. Right, Janet Jackson's character is kind of reciting poetry in little montage bits throughout the film. And about half an hour in, it's revealed that her name is Justice. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Can I just make that uh, aware of that from watching this? I completely forgot about the fact that, that that's why it was called Poetic Justice. It's brutal. It it's got to be the worst title for a film in, in context of the film. It's got to be the worst title for a film ever. I just, it's staggering. Um, but yeah, oh, all right. So I mean, getting onto the film itself, I just didn't give a shit about anyone. Um, the, 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 the romance between Tupac Shakur and Janet Jackson is mental. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they just, they don't like each other. They have a couple of conversations and suddenly they seem to be deeply in love. And then he but like busts her balls because he was with her instead of being with his cousin when his cousin was shot and killed. And then it just and then suddenly like there, there's a couple of scenes where they're apart and then he's he goes to her hairdressers and he's really conciliatory and just like shows off his daughter to her and then they just get back together. The end. Mm. I just I don't, I, it, I don't get what this film was actually supposed to be. No, um, I, I, I remember this film in my head being quite different. Um, and, and so it was quite good. I haven't watched this film in, God, in must be 18, 19 years. Uh, because the last time I watched this was, last time I watched this was on VHS. Um, so that is how long it's been since I watched it. Um, and I, I remember it, it having a little bit more to it. Um, but then again, at the time, I was like 12 years old. So maybe it had something to it when I was 12 years old. Um, the the one really startling thing about uh, Poetic Justice that, that gripped me was there is not a single character in this film, a single person in this film that is likeable. No, they are all, all either dickheads or horrible. Yeah. Uh, and even, you know, the ones that we're supposed to like, Janet Jackson's Justice and uh, Tupac goes, Lucky, you know, he's he's a terrible person. Yeah. And she's a terrible person. She yep. quite simply is a moody, uppity bitch. And he is a lazy... Um, quite offensive and the fact that he constantly uses inappropriate language in front of his child uh, yeah, like, yeah like really inappropriate language 
he beats up a he he gives his his missus his ex missus shit for doing um crack and fucking dudes in the room next to his kid, but then beats the shit out of that guy with another guy um in front of said kid. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it is. They're, they're really, and we are, I'm honestly, people, we are not rushing through this just because of time constraints. It is a really, really bad film. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I just. It, it, and also, this, this, um, this, this, I mean, this actually got, this actually received Academy Award nomination. For what? Best song. Oh, what, well, that Janet Jackson song? Again, right? Which is over the credit, but. We get the first few bars of it throughout the film. There is that. It literally is like the longest music video introduction ever. Um, Janet Jackson is terrible. Tupac Shakur, for 90% of the movie, well, no, I would say for 6 of the movie, looks like he just doesn't give a shit. But yeah. 35% is not very good, and for 5%, is actually all right. Um, the guy um, who is constantly combing his hair all the way through the movie, for an unknown reason... Uh, oh, it's, yeah, it's just this thing, it, it, He has it? a thing, yeah. Chicago has a thing, uh, where he just combs his hair all the way through it. There's a bizarre kind of opening, uh, which is a film that's being watched in the uh, drive through um, that... Uh, Jan Jackson's character and Q-Tip, I'm guessing, was the rapper, um, are, are watching, which stars um, Billy, Billy Zane and Laurie Petty, which I want to watch that movie more than I want to watch the movie that I ended up watching. Yeah, there was a good push-pull shot yeah, in, in, in that. that. Um, Even though there, there's another good push-pull shot later on where um, that, um, that guy slaps Regina King and it does the push ball. It's her just going, motherfucker! Oh, <laughs> and which, um, I don't know, made me laugh. Also, I must say as well, some of the worst ADR I've ever, ever heard as well. It's like, it, it just, it, 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 and again, it's at the end of that scene where he le- it, he's the guy's left on the road. And he's just like, he says something like, I'm having a really fucking bad day. And it just, it does not look like he's saying, he's like <laughs> saying that at all. It's, yeah. it's, it's brutal. Yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, I I don't remember it being this that bad. Um, so I I apologise um, for for making you watch Poetic Justice, Ian. It, it it's is fucking shit. It is a term, and it's really strange because um, John Singleton, um, his first film was Boys in the Hood, which is a magnificent film, and his second film is Higher Learning, which I remember being a really quite punchy film. And quite a good film, so I'm actually interested now to go back and rewatch Higher Learning to see if that's um, held up um, or, or if it, it literally was he just had one film in him. Um, so yeah, Poetic Justice is not very good. It's a it's a it, it's shit. <laughs> Next week should be fun though. Yes, uh, I remember Above the Rim been a lot of fun. Uh, and we will be joined by um, Noel for Above the Rim, won't we? Uh, because we are going to be recording, I think, next week's show. Uh, it, um, I, actually, together, I'm at Fright Fest. So uh, that's going to be amusing. Um, 
I assume, Ian, we're going to cover... What are we going to cover? We're going to cover the Fright First movies um, and uh, Lucy and Above the Rim, I Have No 101 New. Yeah. Uh, we have actually just got a tweet off Noel saying, driving around Charlton in my Honda Civic, pumping uh, the Above the Rim soundtrack as research for Dude and the Monkey, like I was hitting Crenshaw Boulevard. That's good. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that's going to be very interesting. Um... This has been episode 76. Apologies, we haven't got a chance to uh, read out uh, the answers to your questions and answer the questions you gave us, but we will certainly do that on the next show where we'll be covering a lot of movies uh, so much. So, Ian, anything else to add? No, that's good. I mean, the, um, us cutting it short is basically me and Forced. I'm sorry, I, I kind of get a maximum of two hours on a Sunday to... Uh, to get this done before I start feeling really guilty about leaving Donna with the baby. So, uh, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll get to the, um, we'll get to the other Twitter stuff and some, uh, Ronald, uh, Ronald, Robin Williams kind of thoughts yes, as well. That, that'll definitely um, come out. Uh, show. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much guys for listening. Uh, at dude and the monkey, uh, dude and monkey at gmail.com at dude force at Ian Loring. Um, and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Cheers. Nice one. Thanks guys. Bye. <laughs> And once I get off the plane in Scotland, I need subtitles. It's very hard. Rub it, dear, 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 What? Oh, dear, 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 that's it. Don't worry about coming in, but we'll let you in here. That's how they can invent golf. They can have a couple of Guinness, and then the next thing you know, what's... Here's my idea for a sport. I knock a ball into a gopher hole. Oh, you mean like pool? No, forget pool. That was a straight stick. A little broken stick. I whack a ball into a gopher hole. Oh, you mean like croquet? Ah, oh, no, not croquet. That's a pussy sport. I put the hole hundreds of yards away. Oh, kind of like a bowling alley. Oh, no way. I put shit in the way. I put stuff in the way like trees and bushes. So you whack the ball and you're sitting there whacking away and you feel like you're going to have a stroke. That's what we'll call it, because every time you hit the ball, you think you're going to die. And right near the end, they'll put a nice flat bit with a tiny flag to give you hope. And they'll put a pool and a sandbox to grab your ball. Do you do this one time? Oh, no, 18 damn times! <laughs> Oh, <laughs>